I feel like in the days leading up to Christmas, everyone is very aware of each second, where and what we need to be doing, and just how much time remains until the big celebration, and what our responsibilities are in order to pull it off. Not so much in the days after Christmas. I've spent this week not really knowing what day it was, full of chocolate and cheese, and wearing clothes that don't require a belt, things like that. It's been tremendous, actually. My son left for Germany on the day after Christmas, which we Canadians just call Boxing Day, and my daughter Libby insists during her few appearances that what we're seeing is not her but a robot, that the real Libby is on a beach in Hawaii. But the very best part of the last week has been that my wife Sally also didn't have very much on the calendar, so we spent a lot of time doing important things like choosing new dishes and preparing dinner using only freezer, fridge, and pantry items and assembling our new vacuum cleaner. So really high-stakes stuff. It was wonderful. I also set myself a little challenge this week to spend a few moments each day living in the glory of Christmas and contemplating what that means. A few days ago, I was outside and noticed an extraordinary amount of bird activity in my backyard. It started when at least 100 Canada geese flew overhead. But by the time it was over, I counted 20 distinct species of birds in my yard. The blue jays were squawking, a brown creeper was creeping, a Carolina chickadee was competing with a black-capped chickadee, a flock of cedar waxwings were eating berries, and there were four different kinds of woodpeckers, hairy, downy, red-bellied, and a northern flicker. Many of you know Mendelssohn's great anthem, The Heavens Are Telling the Glory of God. I hummed it the rest of the day. I think the birds were welcoming the birth of the Savior. The collect for today declares that God has poured upon us the new light of the incarnate word. If I interpret that correctly, it means we can see the world as Jesus sees it. It means, too, that we can see how others, and indeed the whole creation, are shining this new light. One night this week, I have no idea which, Sally and I were driving home after, again, looking at dishes at the Crate and Barrel in Cherry Hill, when I caught sight of the full moon. Did any of you see it this week? It was astonishing. I, in the passenger seat, had the luxury of staring at it for many minutes. It was so close, so bright in the cloud cloudless sky, I remembered the old canticle, O ye sun and moon, glorify the Lord, praise him and magnify him forever. If this can happen in South Jersey, it can happen anywhere. The tenderness and intimacy of creation has been on display to me. The ridges of the cactus I touched at Ikea while again looking at dishes. 
The red fox that sauntered across my neighbor's yard yesterday morning, or the brief flurry of snow I was privileged to catch while out with the dogs. After all, he gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. The orchid on my kitchen counter, in full and glorious bloom since July, isn't maybe just defying the odds, but is maybe living into the fullness of time, also crying out, Abba, Father, the chorus of all creation, yearning for redemption. It too is no longer a slave, but a child. And if all this is happening around me, then what about within me? And what about you? If a new light is shining and a new song is being sung, then what about us? We are Christmas people. Just a week ago, we journeyed unto Bethlehem. Just a week ago, we were like the shepherds who heard the glad tidings. Just a week ago, we too sang the angels' hymn, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Quite rightly, we have been struck again by the miracle of this visitation and all that it means for us. In his first sermon on the Nativity of the Lord, Pope St. Leo the Great once wrote, Acknowledge, O Christian, your dignity, and having become a participant of the divine nature, do not by an ignoble conversion return to the old worthlessness. Remember instead of whose head and body you are now a member. Remember instead that you have been drawn out from the power of darkness and translated into the light and kingdom of God. It's easy, I know well, to settle back into the ho-hum of quotidian banalities. My favorite line from W.H. Auden's Christmas Oratorio is, the kitchen table exists because I scrub it. And I remembered that poem with a smile this week as I scrubbed the droplets of dried gravy off the kitchen table from our Christmas dinner this week. It's easy to shift gears, to take off the garment as a Christmas people and don the everyday garb of being an ordinary people. But we needn't. Indeed, we mustn't. It's no accident that the first three words in John's Gospel are the same as the first three words in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God has loved us through and through. The plan of our visitation and redemption was not a last-ditch scheme. It was, and always has been, plan A from the beginning. And now, because of this visitation, because God has enfleshed God's self, the word of God has been spoken into every corner of creation. 
Jesus Christ is now everywhere to be seen, for all things come into being through him. May his light never be dimmed in us. Even in the bleakest midwinter, we can still offer Christ our hearts. Amen.